Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. Well, hello there. Thank you for joining me for episode 107 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host, Mike Morrison, one half of the Membership Guys, and this is the place to be for proven practical tips and advice on growing a successful membership website. Today, I've got a very, very special show lined up for you. I'm speaking to Grant Baldwin from thespeakerlab.com all about how you can grow a business and grow a membership site around public speaking. Now, Grant is someone who I've followed for a while. I listen to his podcast. I love the training and the resources and stuff that he puts out over at thespeakerlab.com. And I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to not only hang out with Grant a few months ago at Chris Ducker's Tropical Think Tank event, but also to see him in action and to get the benefit of his advice and his insights into public speaking in terms of the actual performance side and delivering presentations, but also more importantly, the business side of things because I don't think that's something that enough people talk about. It's all well and good being a great public speaker but how do you actually weave that into your business? How do you get paid for speaking? How do you use it as a platform to promote your business, to promote your membership site? That's the sort of stuff that Grant talks about and it was great to get the chance to chat to Grant for this show and really dive into that side of things too. But before we get into my conversation with Grant, I just want to take this opportunity to remind you that the Membership Guys podcast is brought to you by membersiteacademy.com, the number one training community for membership site owners. Whatever stage you're at in your membership journey, whether you're playing with your idea and you're trying to flesh out what your membership will look like, whether you're actually hands deep in the tech side of things and you're building your site, coming up to your launch, running it, growing it, scaling it, we've got you covered inside membersiteacademy.com with an extensive training library that covers everything you need for every stage of your membership, as well as member-only perks, regular live mastermind calls, expert workshops, and of course, an active supportive community where you can ask questions and get answers not only from myself and from Callie, but also from other experienced membership site owners who have been exactly where you are and can help you along your way. So if you're serious about growing a successful so membership site, head on over to membersiteacademy.com. But of course, before you do that, you're going to want to listen to my interview with Grant. So let's head on right now into my conversation about public speaking with Grant Baldwin. My guest today has spoken at hundreds of events around the world and is not only an accomplished public speaker, but has taken that experience and used it to teach others how to build a successful business around speaking through his podcast and the training that he provides at thespeakerlab.com. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the Membership Guys podcast, Mr. Grant Bolton. It is a honor and delight to hang out with you, my friend. How are you today? I am good. I am good. The sun is actually shining here for maybe the third time this year. So um, I'm feeling well, good. We, d- we, may, we, don't we may have traded for some UK weather because it's been raining <laughs> here the past few days. Well, we've got Wimbledon going on here at the minute, the big ah, tennis yes. thing. And so we've been seeing this incredible weather down in London on our TVs, and it's been storm weather up here for the whole duration. So it's nice to, have, to actually get a little bit of crack of sun. It's awesome. Nice. Very cool. All right, so Grant Baldwin, big time speaker, lots of events, all that sort of stuff. What drew you into public speaking as a career? You know, when you see uh, you see so many things out there saying 
public speaking is consistently at the top of people's lists of their biggest fears. Right. 90 odd percent of people saying that they fear public speaking more than death. Are you just a bit nuts or, you know, is there something specific that, that attracted you to, to doing this as a business? Yeah. I, um, uh, to, to backtrack a little bit, just to give you some context on my story. So, uh, growing up, I was really involved in my local church and had a couple opportunities to, to speak there just like, you know, a Sunday school class type of thing, mm. you know, to some peers, uh, in high school. And I just always really enjoyed it. You know, it, yeah, it's one of those things that was, it's still, I still get nervous whenever I speak and it's still something that's still slightly terrifying. And you're, you're kind of walking a tightrope with no net below you. Um, but there's also something kind of fun about that and, and something that, that feels like there's that that whenever you're able to, to really draw an audience in and you're able just to capture their attention and you're able to, you know, teach them, encourage them, inspire them and you see them uh, nodding and they're getting it or you see them laughing and you you know you have them or you see those moments where you get really, really quiet and you just pause and you can just tell that they're right there with you. There's something really, really powerful and effective about speaking. And I think maybe even for all of us, we've all had those those speakers that we've heard before that uh, we just, we remember something that they said, you know, we may not remember anything of the whole talk that they gave, but there's, you know, a line or two that really had this huge pivotal impact in our lives that have affected us for years and years and years. And, and so speaking, it really gives the opportunity to do that. So um, after high school, I actually went to Bible college. I was a youth pastor for a little bit, worked at a local church, was doing a lot of speaking in that setting, primarily to high school students, um, would speak from time to time on the weekends and, and big church. And I just always really enjoyed enjoyed speaking. I felt like I was decent at it. I felt like there might be something there. So uh, I met a couple guys who were speakers and they were doing it more on a, a full-time basis and setting. And I just, for a while, I just didn't realize like that was a thing, you know, like, yeah. like most people don't, you, you see someone speak and you're like, oh, that's that they did that that one time. And that was it. But there's, there's a lot of people that this is how they make their living is they speak professionally. They speak all over, uh, you know, all over their area, region or all over the world. And so, um, I decided that's really what I wanted to do. So that's what I did for the next several years was I, I was speaking full time. I do, uh, 50, 60, 70 events a year all over primarily the U S and, uh, really enjoyed it. Again, felt like I was decent at it and got to a point where there's a lot of people that were saying, I want to do that. I want to, you know, maybe I don't want to do 70 events, but I'd love to do, you know, five events or 10 events, or maybe I want to do 70 events or a hundred events. And I just have no idea where to begin. So, uh, that's when we started, uh, the speaker And that's where we teach, uh, we teach people more the business of speaking, how to actually find and book speaking engagements. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of crazy, but also uh, a lot of fun being on stage. So when when you made that transition and that penny drop that this is actually something people do for a living, was there anything about transitioning into being a full time speaker that took you by surprise, or maybe um, you know perhaps you had a preconception about what it would be like that turned out to be very different? Well, I mean, one of the challenges with speaking, um, well, a couple things. Like, one is that um, from a sales perspective and just like from a financial perspective, is you can get paid really, really well to speak. It's it's not unrealistic to get paid several thousand dollars to speak, yeah. which is great. But the the sales cycle and the um, uh, just kind of the cash flow cycle can be a long time because most events book usually three to six months out, but a lot of them, the bigger the events, they book six to nine months or six to twelve months out. So, um, and a lot of times Sometimes, let's say an organization puts on a conference or an event once a year, they're probably only looking for speakers once a year. They're looking at speakers for a couple of weeks and that's it. So, you know, if they book speakers in June and you talk to them in July, like, well, you know, we already booked a speaker. So check back with us at a year from now. Yeah. Um, it's just a long, it's a long 
long sales cycle. So uh, it can take a little bit just to get some traction and get some get going. So I, I found personally, like speaking is very much a momentum game. That the more you're speaking, the easier it is to to book gigs um, because it's it's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot of referrals. Um, I, you know, I can tell you several stories of, of events where I spoke at something and I booked something five years later that just some random someone saw me in the audience or someone that was helping to plan that event um, transitioned to a different role at a different company or a different place. And then they're looking for a speaker and somehow they magically remembered my name. And, you know, some of those things that it just, it takes a while to get going. And so a lot of early mm-hmm. on, you're just, you're spreading a bunch of seed and you're staring at the dirt, just waiting for something, anything to emerge. And so it just, it just takes time. You know, it just, I think that's where a lot of speakers early on can get discouraged and frustrated and want to quit is, you know, I, I put up my website and I emailed a couple people and I didn't get any response or they're not looking for a speaker right now. And so I just give up. Um, and the reality is like getting, finding and booking speaking engagements isn't rocket science. It just takes work. And it's not, I don't think it's any different than any, uh, any other business. You know, we were, you know, you and I have talked a lot about membership sites and, you know, putting together a membership site isn't rocket science, but it's still work. Like you still yeah. have to do the work and you still have to continue doing the work ongoing. It's not a set it and forget it type of thing. So I think it's the same thing that's true with speaking that the people that are really successful as speakers uh, are the ones that are really making it a priority in their business and really putting in the work and the effort. So do you think it is very much something you have to make that conscious decision that, yes, I want to be a gigging pro speaker on the circuit and I'm going all in? Can you kind of have one foot in and and be that kind of non-committal? Well, you know, I'll, I'll speak if people ask me to speak, or I'll do two or three gigs every now and then. I've got to be honest; that's where I am. Yeah, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to chase it. But if someone wants me to speak, I'll speak and I'll enjoy it. Um, but then there are some days where, at the same time, you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, why am I not booked for? this lineup of 20 events this sure. year. So can you can you have that kind of casual approach to it or do you really need to go all guns blazing? Well, I mean, a lot of it, you know, one of the nice things about speaking is that there's no right or wrong way to do it, you know? So mm. like I, I was saying, I was personally, I was doing, you know, 60, 70 events a year and that worked for me. Whereas I know plenty of people who do far less and I know plenty of people who do far more. So there's not like, oh, that person's doing it the correct way. You know, you can, yeah. you do what makes sense to you. And so there's, some speakers that I know who are, um, they are for many, many years, I was a speaker who happened to also maybe have a book or happened to also do something else on the side. But there's plenty of people I know who, you know, in your case, you, you primarily run and teach about membership sites and you also happen to speak. So speaking is yeah. not the primary thing that you do. And so therefore it's not the primary, you know, uh, you're, you're not getting it like primary energy and time. It's a very, very secondary thing. The danger though is, is when people are making spe- speaking a very secondary, you know, or further down the list type of priority, but then they're expecting, you know, uh, yeah. they're expecting <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do full time 20, 30, 40 get, why aren't people lining up to hire me and book me? Like it just doesn't. And again, that's not exclusive to speaking. That's with anything. Like I can't say like, Oh man, I'm, you know, I went to the gym one time and I'm not ripped. <laughs> like, well, yeah, cause it's not a priority. You know, you, it just, it's just kind of, um, you know, if you're just giving it a half effort at best, then don't expect like full results from it. So uh, all that to say, again, there, there's no right or wrong way to do speaking. And so there's some speakers that I know and, and largely what I did was, speaking primarily to I go speak, I collect a check, and that's kind of the end of the transaction. But one of the great things for especially like online entrepreneurs is 
Yeah, speaking can be a, a good additional, you know, financial revenue stream, but it can also be great for a variety of reasons. So speaking can work really, really well to um, uh, to build credibility. You know, any conference or event that we all attend or have been to, anybody that's a speaker, we all internally, we, we ascribe some type of credibility or prestige to that person just because they got a freaking speaker thing on their on their badge, you know? So I think yeah. that, that that can work really well, it can work really well for networking and connecting with other speakers Oftentimes, those are other influencers that maybe you want to meet or connect with. And again, because we ascribe some type of credibility to that person that's a speaker, oh, okay, if you're also a speaker, then that person's more willing to connect with you or chat with you in, yeah. in this context where you know they're busy or there's a, you know, a lot of people that may be pulling at their attention. So being a speaker can work really well from that standpoint. Uh, being a speaker can work well if, let's say, you want to go to a conference or an event and let's say it's a free event, um, but it's a conference that you wanted to attend anyway. And so they're willing to cover either some of your travel or they're not going to charge you to the, attend the event. Uh, so let's say it's a, you know, it's a thousand dollar ticket to attend this conference, but you're speaking, so they're not going to charge you anything. Well, that's, I yeah. mean, that's a win, you know, there's value in that for you. Um, the other big thing, especially for online entrepreneurs is speaking can work really well as a means to sell whatever your product or services, you know, depending on the, the context and the setting. Um, but I'll give you an example. One of the students that we work with, uh, he speaks for free and he uses it primarily as lead generation for his coaching business. And so on the on paper, on the surface, you'd look at it and be like, oh, you speak for free. You're not a real speaker. That doesn't count. But but he used speaking um, last year to generate $372,000 in coaching wow. business. So like speaking drives his entire coaching business. So so all that to say, like you can use speaking to drive business to your to your membership site, to your selling your book, um, consulting, coaching, uh, you know, any type of you know product or service that you have, because the nature of speaking is someone sees you speak and you speak for, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes, and then that's it. There's only so much that you can cover. There's only so much you can get into, but there's yeah. always people that are going to be like, I want more from you, whether that's a product or service. And so speaking can work really well as just a lead generation for whatever the other thing is that, that you offer. So again, all that to say, there's no right or wrong way to do speaking. Um, but just know that if you, if you want, you know, uh, bigger results, you're, you're going to have to put in bigger effort. Yeah, and, and it's in what you're saying there, it definitely rings true because I know for myself, um, I, I know that most of the time if I'm speaking somewhere, I'm not going to get a whole bunch of people from the audience sign up because our membership um, is very much something you joined when you are dedicated to setting out to create and grow a membership or if you're an existing membership site owner. And so that's usually not going to be everyone. Yes, raising the awareness, putting it on the radar of people is important, but I don't go there for that, that final reason you, you mentioned there of actually promoting other services and all that sort of stuff. The main things are the credibility factor right. and connecting with other speakers. I'm not even bothered about making the money from it because there's other stuff we do that we could make more for the amount of time that, that goes in the prep. So I think, yeah, it definitely goes to show that actually the motivations behind it um, can all can all be very different. Well, and, uh, and like so, as another yeah. quick example, like sometimes it makes sense to go speak at an event. Just um, a lot of people like the idea of travel. And so, yeah. you know, you and I spoke at an event, Chris Ducker's event in the Philippines. And um, part of it was uh, Chris is a friend of both of ours. And, I, you know, I, I wanted to support him. But also it's like, oh, it's a cool place to go. I've never been to the Philippines. Yeah. My wife came and um, Callie came with you. So it was an opportunity for us to, you know, all hang out, meet other people, but also just be in a cool place, you know, that we wouldn't have otherwise maybe been able to, to visit or see. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Callie's asked me a few times since, like, do you think we'd ever go back to the Philippines? Like, you never actually have any calls, sure. really, outside of family or a speaking event like that to actually go through. But it was, yeah, it was, it was an amazing resort and a, an amazing place yeah. that you wouldn't get the opportunity to go to uh, to otherwise. And same for me coming over to the US. Right. Like, I'll quite happily just be put on a panel somewhere where, you know, I don't really have to do any work right. because it means I get to go over to San Diego again and I right. get to hang out there and I get to catch up with uh, with friends and stuff. So, yeah, it's 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 more just a, a means to travel. For me, if you can roll that into, into obviously, you know, monetizing it in other ways or ticking whatever whatever other boxes that you have, then, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. So obviously the end goal isn't necessarily to get paid as a speaker, but presumably just find a way in which speaking delivers value to you and to your other objectives. Right. And, and again, to just kind of piggyback on the, you know, you mentioned like most people aren't going to sit in one of your sessions and immediately sign up for membership you know, side academy. Yeah. They're they they're they're intrigued, they're interested, they want more, but maybe it's just not hot on their radar right now. But one of the things that works really well from a speaking perspective is it's very similar to an online experience of someone comes to your stuff. I'm not interested right now, but I'm willing to sign up for this free lead magnet. And that starts the conversation and that builds a relationship. So speaking can work really well from that standpoint of just helping to build your email list. Um, I Mm. kick myself personally because there, uh, I was, I did a lot of speaking before I kind of discovered this online space. And so I spoke to literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that I never did anything to build that email list really. Um, nothing, in nothing like super intentional is more just kind of, you know, passive type stuff. Um, whereas I'm going now like, dang, that's a lot of like captive, <laughs> interesting or people that are interested and engaged in what it is that you have to say, I'm sure would love to hear, you know, more long term. Yeah. So whether that's some type of, you know, text to opt in type, uh, you know, like a lead digits type of tool, um, something like that, where the audience wants more from it. And it can be as something as simple as some type of specific lead magnet that related to what you're talking about. Or, you know, if you're someone that uses slides that you are just saying, hey, if you just want a copy of my slides, just text, you know, slides to this number and yeah. you'll get a copy of my slides and, and I'll follow up with you on just some other, you know, other things that I think may be of, of value to you. Um, so you can really just build, start a relationship with people uh, in an audience that then can continue in an online setting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the one of the main places where we get uh, a lot of our members coming from is our podcast. So I was on a panel with Amy and Shailene Johnson, and uh, we were talking about podcasting. So it wasn't about memberships; it was about using a podcast to uh, promote and to to sell a product. And for the entire talk, our podcast artwork for the three yeah. of us was up on the slide behind us. Yeah. And when I got back to to the hotel room and looked at my stats, it's just that huge spike. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I heard the beginning of one of my podcast episodes, the jingle playing in the audience from somebody checking it out. And this is sitting mm-hmm. on a on a panel with with two people, you know, people weren't in that room to see me. Yeah. Yeah. But just having that little presence um on the screen and that no doubt will have actually turned into leads and to sales without, you know, in, in an environment where actually putting up a lead magnet. This is a social media marketing world where it is no promo whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, we'll have got some leads and we'll, we'll have built but our that, just And again, that. You, you look at that example right there that you were on a panel with two other big name online entrepreneurs slash podcasters 
And all of a sudden, there's a certain amount of credibility that's associated with you. Uh, oh, yeah. dang. Like, wow, Mike's on a panel with, with these two. Wow, Shalene and a, that's a, that's impressive, right? So all, this, all of a sudden, by nature of you just being on that panel with them or speaking at the same event as them, or yeah. you know, a lot of people like to call it you know, sharing the stage or whatever you want to call it, um, there's a certain amount of credibility that you, you piggyback on because of that. So speaking can work really well from that standpoint. Oh, without doubt. Now... I've seen, as I'm sure you have, a lot of speakers who were great at the actual speaking side of things, the presentation and the performance side, mm -hmm. but they weren't really saying much at all. Similarly, I've also seen a lot of presentations where the content was great, but it was just so poorly delivered. Yeah. When it comes to that balance of style versus substance, is one more important than the other? Dude, that's a good question. I mean, I think there there definitely is. You you have to have some type of balance there. Um, and I think that you know the reality is is that um, you can go both ways. I personally, I tend to lean toward the presentation style because even if the topic is somewhat you know boring or nothing fancy or sexy. Um, I think a good communicator keeps it interesting and keeps it engaging. The other thing to yeah. remember with speaking is that for better or worse, this is the reality of it, is that you're going to put hours and hours and hours into a really solid presentation and you're going to give that presentation for 45, 60 minutes and the audience is going to remember a couple of things that you said, maybe at best. Yeah. A week from then, they're going to remember one line that you said and a month from then, they're not going to remember a single thing that you said, <laughs> which is super frustrating and discouraging, right? <laughs> so all that to say, like, let's say that you have 60 minutes of just jam-packed, tons of really, really practical strong content, a month from now, most people are going to forget uh, a lot of that. But if you've got a couple of key points that you can really, really hammer on, uh, yeah. that you can really keep, keep coming back to is just some anchor content, uh, that, can, that can be something that sticks a little bit more long term. So Again, I, I think you, it's not necessarily one's better than the other in terms of, of style versus substance. I think you, you absolutely have to have both. Um, most people are probably better at one than the other. Um, most people are probably, there's like you said, some people that are really good at the content side, but they're, they suck on delivering. And some people that yeah. are great, they're great on stage. They got a lot of charisma, um, but they're just not good at developing the content. And so, yeah, ideally you want to have, you want to have both. And so if you don't, if you have one, but not the other, um, then, then you kind of know where you need to spend more of your time. So I know for me personally, I know that naturally I feel very comfortable on stage. So uh, I have to work more on the content side. I have to really spend the time to think through what's the best way to um, uh, to deliver this content so that it resonates, it clicks, and, and people take action on it and do something with it. Whereas other people may be amazingly good on the content, but they're just not. They don't have the, the stage experience, or they're just they're not super comfortable, and they need to spend more time there. So I think it's important just for anybody just to really identify where where you are best and where where you also struggle, so that you are able to improve on those areas. Um, and, but at the same time, say make sure you're you're playing to your strengths. Yeah, and I think I suppose if you identify it, there's there's training you can get on on whichever areas areas you're weakest. You know, I, I've seen a, a lot of people talking about if you're going to be doing um, any sort of public speaking or something like that, I'll see people advocating doing like improv classes yeah. and stuff like that. If you're not comfortable with the actual um, 
on your feet performing reacting to questions or even hecklers and stuff like that yeah i mean i get you know people ask me sometimes like hey how you know you're you're a decent speaker how have you have you been able to become good and it's a a large part of it is just that i've done it a lot and so there's no like i it's not like i have some special gift that someone else doesn't have it's just that if you've been on stage you know, close to a thousand times in front of audiences uh, of of a couple people and audiences of thousands and thousands of people. And you've given presentations for a few minutes and some for a couple hours. And you've been in settings where um, the power goes out, the fire alarm goes off, people are getting up and walking out. And you've been in all those settings and you've been like <laughs> war torn, like then naturally you're supposed to, you should be getting better. You should be improving, yeah. you know? So, um, and I think that's the case with anything, you know, how do you become a better podcaster? You, you podcast. How do you become a better writer you write how do you become a better speaker you speak and so the more you do it the more comfortable you start to feel uh and the more i think the more experience that you have and also the more credibility you start to earn from that thing yeah i suppose it's just perseverance then sure um and and not allowing those those bad experiences to stop you in your tracks i remember the one of the first um times i did a, a presentation to a room full of business people. And I was maybe 22, 23 in a room where I'd be lucky if anyone there was less than double my age, all yeah. very serious, all very buttoned down. And I overthought this presentation just to supernatural levels. It was shockingly, like it was basically just strings of horrendous jokes and meandering anecdotes that I'd, I'd over-processed to a point where they made sense to literally nobody other than me. And I had props. Like I had a, I had like a grocery bag of props. Like this is where it ended up. It was for a 15 minute talk on 10 mistakes with online marketing. And I had this kit of just nonsensical props. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about five minutes in, like it was just clear that I, that it wasn't working. <laughs> and there was that, that moment in my head where I'm kind of like, okay, I could just wrap this up and bail and, sure. and just melt or kind of own it. And I actually had to stop and say, this is actually like really crap, isn't it? <laughs> Should <laughs> it, I just like it, ditch it, all How this? did the audience respond? They laughed. Yeah. Like for the first time, they didn't laugh at any of the, the, the <laughs> planned jokes, but they laughed at that and they eased up. And when they did, I relaxed a bit more and actually – started talking about what I want to talk about. I think I, um, I think that that's such a great example of, um, and this is a great speaking lesson, is that the audience takes their cues from the speaker. Meaning that if the speaker is uncomfortable or awkward or clunky or anything like that, if you can tell they're nervous, it makes the audience uncomfortable. Whereas if the speaker's relaxed, they're having fun, then the audience chills out and they have fun. Um, if something happens in the room, a cell phone goes off and all of a sudden the speaker is just like, you can tell like, oh my gosh, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle If they're freaking out, then the audience feels that and they start to freak out yeah. as well. But if the speaker makes a joke about it and they don't think it's a big deal, then the audience is like, well, it's not a big deal to you. And you get the microphone and not a big deal to me as an audience member. So exactly the case of, of in your situation, if you're acknowledging this elephant in the room that like, does this feel awkward to anybody else right now? And everybody else loosens up because you just loosened up. Then it just changes the dynamic of the room. And so that's, I mean, that's definitely one of the, the powerful things of, of being a speaker is that the audience, remember you are, sometimes we, we feel like it's this 
as a speaker, you are speaking to this group of people that hate you or want you to fail. And that's just not the case. You are one human talking to a group of other humans and they want you to do well. Like they don't want to waste their time sitting there listening to someone boring. And so if it's awkward and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the speaker acknowledges that it's awkward, that, that creates an amazing moment for the entire room, uh, for everyone to really lock in. Cause again, you're just acknowledging a human moment that, I did my I'm doing my best here and this is freaking yeah. hard. And I think most people realize like being on stage is difficult and it is tough. And so when someone is struggling and they acknowledge they're struggling, like the audience is like, yeah, yeah, I, I totally see how that, <laughs> that you may be struggling one, but two, how, how that is like, we've all been up there and it is really hard to do what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's such an important point there as well of, uh, of remembering that these guys are not sitting there waiting for you to fail. Right. And I was at an event recently where where you kind of saw that in action. They they kind of interspersed the pro speakers with kind of first time less experienced speakers for um, essentially like ten minute kind of they called them lightning talks. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the speakers for that was doing very well. Hit a point where you could just see immediately the expression changed, mind went blank. Yeah. And she kind of froze. Yeah. And the audience were just fantastic, cheering, whooping, yeah. kind of cheering her on. And that perked her back up and she found her place and she she carried on again. And, you know, I suppose in that moment, you're probably thinking, Oh my God, if I if I don't say anything, these guys are going to to boo and heckle and all right. that. So to actually realize, you know, that they want me to do well, right. even if purely selfishly, because they want to to end, you know. To right. get something from your talk, so they're not they're not waiting for you to to fail. Right. Another point on that is, you know, when you're you're in a spot and you kind of like lose your place or you forget what you're supposed to say next, um, just kind of taking a moment to gather yourself, or even just like you said, kind of acknowledging it. Uh, there's been times where I've done that before, where I'm speaking on something and um, I just draw a blank, and you just have that yeah. moment of brain fart in front of the audience. Remember, if it's no big deal to you, then it's no big deal to the audience. So if you even just say like, "Wait a." I'm sorry, what was I talking about just now? Like the audience finds humor in that moment that's just real and authentic, you know? The other thing I would say on that is whenever you are working on your presentation and talk and you're delivering it, sometimes we feel like we have to deliver this script, like it's this manuscript you have to nail word for word. The reality is like if you forget your place or if you forget to tell a story or if you do things out of order, the audience has no clue. It's not like they're following along in the manuscript and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 you skipped a line. Like they don't know. So, I mean, if you're like, for example, if you're singing, if you're singing a song that everybody knows, if you're singing the national anthem or if you're singing some pop song that everybody knows and you screw up the lyrics, everybody knows. But if you forget, your, you lose your place in a talk and you skip something or you do things out of order, in your mind, you may be like, oh, no, I forgot it. I missed it. The audience has no clue. So again, yeah. if it's no big deal to you, it's it's no big deal to them. So let's talk a bit about actually preparing what you're going to talk about. If someone is quite early on, if they haven't yet uh, delivered the same talk enough times to kind of refine it, is there kind of a common framework or structure to uh, what you th- what you would say would make for a great presentation that people can start out with? 
Yeah, again, um, one of the great things with speaking is there is no right or wrong way to do it. So I've seen some talks that are, you know, there's the standard, you know, intro, three points, closing, and that works really, really well. Audiences are used to that. Some where it's just kind of one point, um, some that's just basically a story that's told. And, you know, there's a couple points that are woven in throughout that. So all that to say, there's no right or wrong way to do it. What, what I, I, what I would tend to recommend though is really you want to begin with the end in mind. Uh, you finish the presentation and the audience is going to forget 90 plus percent of what it is that you just talked about. But what's the one thing that you really want them to get? What's the one thing that you're just like, this is the anchor. If you get nothing else, make sure you get this. And typically that should be some, some type of really tight, concise line. Um, something along the lines of uh, something that's tweetable, right? Those moments where you've been sitting in a talk and someone says something, you're like, oh, dang, I got to write that down or I got to tweet that. That's really what you want is that type of, of anchor line. And you're really starting to build your talk from that. So Beginning with the end in mind, here's where I know the talk is going. And then you can kind of reverse engineer of what else you want to cover. So one of the best ways to do that is just to start by brainstorming the heck out of the the topic. So what I would do is I'd take, um, you know where you want to go with the talk. And then from there, just take 15 minutes and brainstorm on a piece of paper, on a Word document, on a whiteboard, anything and post-it notes, anything and everything you can think of related to that topic. So it could be stories, could be stats, it could be just points or lines it could be strategies, could be tactics, could be illustrations. Um, it could be props. I mean, anything like no filter. I'm just brainstorming, brain dumping ideas from there. I'm going to start to kind of see, okay, here's, I know what my endpoint is. I know where the destination is. Now let's kind of pull out some of the road markers along the way that I want to make sure that I hit to, I get to that lead people on that kind of logical progression of here's where I want people to end up. I got to pick it. Think about like a road trip, you know, here's the destination. I got to pick everybody else up at the same place. And what's the logical path to get there? What's the place that makes sense? Uh, And you can pull some of that from what you, you know, some of that brainstorming. Once you've got kind of a rough skeleton there of what the talk is going to be, then you can kind of come back and kind of flesh some of it out where that's where you can come in and and add some stories. You can add some stats or you can add, oh, this, this funny thing I want to tell, this joke that I want to tell, or this image or this video that I want to show. I want to come back and I want to show those things. I want to do that. Makes sense here, right? Uh, so working your way through with the kind of a rough skeleton outline and then starting to kind of flesh things out from there. What I tend to do, and this is just my personal preference, I tend to actually manuscript my talk out. So if I'm doing like, especially more of like a keynote type presentation, mm-hmm. I will manuscript it out word for word. And and you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, remember, it's not a manuscript that you have to know verbatim. It's not like I'm trying to remember this word for word. But the point of me writing it down is to really think through the best possible way to tell that. So, for example, if you were to ask me, Grant, tell me about um, tell me about when you proposed to your wife. Well, I could I mean, I can give you a 30 second version of that right now, just off the top of my head. But I bet if I sat down for 20 minutes and really thought about all the details of that, what were the emotions? What was said? What was what was the setting? You know, what did we do right after? Who did we call? Where do we, you know, all of those things. I bet it would be a much better story just because I put the time. Time into it, right? And so that's really what you're trying to do is you're sitting down and you're not creating this manuscript that you're handcuffed to, but you're just creating, I'm really thinking through what's the best possible way to tell this story or to make this point. And even just thinking through, you know, introductions and transitions. So, you know, I just told this story and now I need to get from point A to point B. What's the best logical way to do that? Rather than just kind of winging it or making it up on the spot, really thinking those pieces through. 
So I think then the point where most speakers kind of really differentiate themselves is the amount of practice and preparation that you put into it. So at that point, remember, I'm not trying to like memorize a script or something. I'm really trying to um, know basically that the, uh, I would say almost like the heart of the message. You know, I really yeah. want to spend a lot of time and several hours oftentimes going through the material um, going and I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll manuscript it out. I'll print it out and I'll just go page by page by page, just knowing what comes next. Um, because if I, the more I internalize it, the more I really know my, the content, then the easier it is to be more fully present with the audience. Cause I think we've all seen speakers who they're so deep in their own head that they're just thinking about the next line of their script that anything could throw them off. But I want to yeah. make sure I know my content and, and I, you know, like right now we're just kind of, we're talking and we're kind of riffing on some stuff. And so if something happens in the moment that throws either of us off, it's not a big deal. And you just pick back up where you left off. But if you're just like, I have to say everything perfect and I'm so robotic <laughs> and I said this line and now I have to take three steps to the left and I have to raise my right hand and I have, you know, like all that stuff. It's just like, it just ruins the, you're a robot speaking to people, not a human yeah. speaking to, to people. So spending the time to really practice it, go over it and just know the material. Like I think that that's, that really makes a massive difference. And I promise you the best speakers in the world, they don't just get up and wing it. They don't just write three points down on a napkin right before they go up and just kind of, well, I'll just make it up and kind of riff on things. They really spend the time to know their material, know the best possible way to deliver it. And they spend a ton of time uh, learning it and going over it. So I know for me, if I'm doing a new talk, I'll spend hours pacing my office, pacing a hotel room, pacing backstage, just talking to myself. And I look crazy yeah. and I look ridiculous. Um, but that's that really makes a huge, huge difference by the time you get on stage. And I, I've told you this publicly and privately, you know, the time I saw you speak at Chris Ducker's event, Tropical Think Tank, you you could tell you spent a massive amount of time prepping and practicing and rehearsing it and going over it. And it shows it makes a huge difference versus another speaker who may just get up and just kind of wing it. So one other thought I'll, I'll end on with this is all of this means that um, you spend a lot of time on a talk. So one thing I would recommend for speakers, if you're going to do any amount of speaking on a regular basis, uh, I think it's really important to try as best as possible, as long as it's different audiences, to do the same talk. Yeah. So the best speakers in the world, they don't have 54 talks that they give. Each time they they get booked to speak, they don't, what do you want me to talk about? I'll just work on something from scratch because it takes so much freaking time. But they do the same talk every time. It's like when you go to you know, your favorite restaurant, they don't just cook anything and everything. It's like, no, no, no. we cook this one thing we're insanely good at. And that's probably why you came here today. And so that's what you want to do. You want to get to that point where you've got one, two, maybe three talks that you give. And those are the three talks that you give. You're not, you might tweak a few little things, you know, depending on the audience, but 90% of it is going to be the same because you know that that's what works. You're not playing with the recipe each time just to, just because you feel like you need to. No, no, this works really, really well. Um, and, and so that's, that's what you want to come back to on a regular basis. So have a couple of those talks that you do, but don't do like this brand new custom from scratch talk every single time you speak. Cause that's what takes so much time. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of, you're, you're giving your best effort of what you think the talk's going to be, but the more you give it, the better the talk, the better the talk becomes. Yeah. When you've got two or three of those, uh, that's your product then, isn't it? Totally. That's what you're going out there and, and selling as opposed to just trying to sell someone on, on you and then having to, you know, 
negotiate and, and agree what you're going to talk about, it, it makes it so much easier for, for event organizers as well because they can just look at it and say, okay, well, I definitely want somebody to speak about this, so let's go for that. Right. Or it, it helps, you know, you not get your time wasted in in or end up speaking about something that you don't actually want to talk about or what have you um, because they can quite just as quickly exclude you from their plans based on, you know, okay, well, actually, we, we've already got someone talking about these yeah. things, so let's not bother. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like one of the worst things a speaker can say is if someone, if it, like an event organizer reaches out to you and says, what do you speak about? Don't say, what do you want me to speak about? <laughs> or I can speak about anything. You know, I can speak yeah. about everything. No, you can't. And like you said, you, when you speak about things that you know and that you're passionate about and that you're really good at, it's a heck of a lot easier for you and it makes for a better presentation. Like if you get up mm. there and you don't know what you're talking about, it shows and it reflects poorly on you. You don't want to do that, right? So there are times where, where people have asked me, hey, can you talk about, I don't know, some random subject or topic that I know something about, but I'm not, you know, I don't feel necessarily qualified to talk about it. Um, and so, I, you know, I probably could, probably wouldn't be the best, but here's this person, you know, you need to go talk with this person uh, on this yeah. subject. or talk. They just know way more about it. They'd be a much better, it'd be a much better presentation. Uh, you, that's where you want to be is you want to be able to say, no, no, no. If you want this, go to that person. But if you want this, I am your go-to person for that yeah. subject or topic. And of course, it's easier for you to do that and refer on to another person if that other person also has their two or three, um, you know, signature keynote suspend uh, to to deliver, right. and presumably they're going to then recommend people onto you in the future totally. as well. So I'd imagine that a lot of that um, that whole well, I can talk about anything you want me to talk about yeah. is coming from maybe desperation to sure. pick up gigs or trying to maybe even get booked for events that you're not really you know at that that mm -hmm. level for yet so for anyone who who is early on in their journey and maybe they they have that maybe that's what's going on with them they're they're just trying to get on any stage or they're they're wanting to get booked on the big you know several thousand audience uh stages having only spoken one or two times like how should they be doing it properly what would you say are the top three tips or the top three things that someone should be doing if they're early on in their journey to becoming a professional public speaker. Yeah, one of the things that most speakers have a really difficult time with is they don't know who they want to speak to or what they want to mm -hmm. speak about. They just they just know that they they want to speak. You know, I, I spoke at some, I was on a panel or I, I did something at you know my local community or Toastmasters or something, and it was fun, and I want to do more of that. And so I'll ju I'm just looking for any and every opportunity that I can. Uh, and that's just not a good way to do it. So one of the best things that you can do early on is to get really really clear about who you speak to and what's the problem that you can solve for that audience, right? So that you're not saying, I speak to anybody and everybody about anything and everything, which is not true. And everybody knows that. So it's no different than if you're starting a blog or if you're starting a podcast. Well, who's your podcast for? Well, it's for humans. It's for everybody. No, it's not. Like, <laughs> you have to be super specific about this is who this podcast is for, or this is who this book is for, and this is what the book is about, and this is how it's going to help people. This is why you should read my blog, because it's for this specific thing. The more specific you can be, the better. 
So instead of trying to be this generalist to everybody, be really, really specific. So the more specific you can be, the easier it is to find gigs because you've really started to narrow down what it is that you are looking for. So I'll give you an example. If you say, um, you know, I want to speak to, uh, I want to speak to uh, females about, you know, um, um, resiliency in life. Well, that's, you know, that's great, but that's half of the world's population. Right. So let's narrow that down a little bit more. Okay. I want to speak to um, moms. Okay. We're getting, we're getting somewhere now. Okay. I want to speak to moms who are, um, uh, who are in the corporate space and they're trying to balance work and life. Right. Okay. We're getting closer now. Let's take it a step further. Okay. I want to, I want to speak to moms who are realtors who are trying to balance work and life. Okay. Now we've got to something very, very specific. And those are people that I can start to find. So figuring out who I want to speak to, what's the problem I can solve for them. And then the third piece there is where do those people gather? Like sometimes people would, I'll give you an example. I talked with a guy yesterday and he comes from a healthcare industry. He wants to speak. And so he, it made sense for him to speak in the healthcare industry. So I asked him, I said, uh, you come from the healthcare industry. What, what do you want to be speaking about? What's the problem that you feel like you can solve? And he said, I really want to speak to middle managers about leadership and communication. It's kind of what, what he landed on. And I said, cool. So you were in the healthcare industry for many, many years. Do you remember any type of events or associations or groups or gatherings or trainings in-house um, for middle managers about leadership and communication. He thinks about it for a second. He's like, mm, no, I can't remember anything. Okay, What that means is that's probably not a good thing. We'd rather find what are the existing events and opportunities that that are taking place that are already looking for and, for and hiring speakers. It is a heck of a lot simpler to get booked by a conference that's already planning on hiring a speaker versus him saying, I think this is a topic that's important to you. And yeah. I think I need to convince you to not only hire or not only have an event and not only hire a speaker, but you need to hire me. That is a lot of work. That's a lot of uphill battle that you have to get to just to get a, a booking versus here's what's already existing in the marketplace. Here's the existing yeah. conferences. Here's the existing events. Here's the existing subjects and topics that they are being hired for and start to figure out what's the blend between what organizations and groups uh, are already hiring speakers for, what speakers are talking about, and with what it is that you are passionate about and what it is that you bring to the marketplace. If you start browsing around and you say, I can't find anybody that speaks on this subject or topic or anybody that speaks to this audience. I'm going to be the first. That's not a good thing when it comes to speaking. You want to find what are those existing markets where they're already used to booking speakers. They're already used to hiring speakers. They're already used to hiring speakers to talk about that subject or topic. Then it's a matter of kind of how do you, how can you differentiate yourself from them? But yeah. instead of trying to invent your own industry that you hope people start hiring speakers for. So I, I think it's just, if you, especially if you want to get paid, um, you really want to make sure that you're 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 solving a problem for groups and audiences that are used to hiring speakers, that are used to bringing in speakers, um, and that have regular events that bring in speakers. So, you know, for example, again, going back to you and me. Um, uh, both got hired to speak at Chris Ducker's event um, in the Philippines. It is a lot simpler to get to get hired or to convince Chris to hire us because he has an event. He's yeah. planning on hiring speakers versus if we went to Chris and said, "Hey, you know what you should do? You should hire. You should host an event." And yeah, I know that that's a crap load of work, but you should you should host an event and you should have a bunch of speakers. Oh, by the way, I should be one of them. That sounds yeah. like a huge selling nightmare. But Chris. Already 
already has an event. So it's not a huge, it's not a huge request to say, Hey, I know you have an event. I know something about your audience. Here's something that I think would be a fit for your audience. Here's how I could solve a problem that your audience has. You're providing a solution to the need that Chris already has. So it's a heck of a lot simpler for him to say yes to that. And for you to get booked versus again, trying to convince him to jump through all these hoops just so that you can, you know, you can, you can book an event. So I think again, getting really clear on who you speak to, what do you speak about? And ultimately what's the problem that you're solving for that audience? And then third, where do those people gather? What are the actual events uh, around the topic or subject or where those, those audience members gather that you could speak to? Yeah, I think that that final point especially is uh, is so so important because I think people do get carried away with this idea that they've they've struck gold yeah. with a concept nobody's ever thought of right. and all that sort of right. stuff. I mean, there, there there's no such thing as an original idea, and so if nobody's out there speaking about something right. or run and same for membership, same for courses, yep. if there isn't a membership about this one thing that you're doing. It's probably there's more likely that that's a bad sign right. than this golden opportunity, and yeah, you don't want to have to do that double sell of first sell them on on the idea that they need someone, and then have to sell them on the idea that they need you. I know there's a, a couple of guys from over here in the UK, um, fairly young guys, fairly new on the speaking scene now, but they really wanted to get booked at one of the big um, US events, mm-hmm. and I think their first pass by, they went in and and you know. They said, "Well, we talk. We've got this approach and this this um, perspective on content marketing that we think is unique and it's new and it's exciting, and we'd love to do a session at your event." And it went nowhere because you know they didn't need it. It wasn't what they were looking for. So at that same event, this this conference actually did a session with the conference founders and they do this every year where they actually sit in a room and say these are the topics we want covered if you want to speak here so those guys went away they crafted a talk around this very specific topic they knew the event was looking for um and they went back and said you need a speaker about it was about twitter marketing you need to speak about twitter marketing here is this this product we've got, this is our Twitter talk. And they now take that out and, and do the same talk all over the place. But yeah, that that's um, actually finding a round hole to stick your peg into right. as opposed to going in and saying, hey guys, you ever thought about bashing a hole in here? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's One, uh, one of the things I'd, I'd piggyback on, and you, you asked this question before and I didn't get to it, but um, especially if you're getting started as a speaker, and let's say you're clear on who you speak to, what you speak about, where those people gather, I think it's really important to manage your expectations. So, you know, there may be some of those big conferences that have, you know, three, four, five thousand people there, and you're going, hey, I, I've done two workshops, so I think I should be on stage giving a 5,000 person keynote, like be realistic about what your expectations are, right? The other thing I would say along the same lines is that speaking is very much a relationship business. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. So look at it from the event planner's perspective. Whenever, you know, let's go back to Tropical Think Tank. When Chris puts us on stage, it's a reflection on Chris. If we Mm. suck, it makes Chris look bad. Chris is in the business of not making himself look bad, right? We all are, right? So you got to you got to remember that um, it's so much more than just if you're a great speaker. But um, and Chris would probably say this: there's people that are great speakers, but they're just they're horrible 
people off stage, you know, <laughs> or they're just not yeah. people that like you, you want to be around. So speaking is very much a relationship business. So I, I can speak to my own experience of how did I get booked to speak at Tropical Think Tank? Well, it started probably three years before whenever I met Chris at an event and he and I stayed in touch and we'd chat from time to time and I never asked for anything and we'd cross paths in events here and there. Oh, and then it worked out. So it's not like yeah. this, you know, first date, wham, bam, thank you, man. It's, it's a, it's a long-term relationship, you know? And, you know, when, when I think of other people that I've good friendships and relationships with that host events and I've never made the ask, um, mm. but I will at some point when I know that the, it makes sense and that the, the timing is right. Uh, so I think that that's, I think just being aware that relationships uh, is really, really critical to uh, booking speaking engagements and also acknowledging that relationships take time. Um, and yeah. I would say one other thing on that is one of the best ways to build relationships um, is to meet people in person. And so even if that means that you're doing free speaking and get a free workshop here or there, um, you know, Mike, you and I kind of knew of each other beforehand, but we spent a week together at an event and it changes the dynamic of the relationship. You know, like, yeah, sure. like I, I, talk Mike up all the time and think the world of Mike because we spent a lot of time together. Right. Versus like, Oh yeah, yeah I read that guy's blog one time or, yeah. uh, you know, I heard his podcast and I've heard some people who said he's a good dude. Um, it's a very different dynamic than I've met that person. I respect that person. I trust that person. I would have, I would have zero hesitation to, if I was hosting an event to put Mike on stage because of that relationship. And so I yeah. think that relationship yeah forms in person. And that's where, again, you know, speaking even at some events, even for free may make sense because it's, it may lead to something down the road. Yeah. And it, it again, it comes back to that, um, perseverance and understanding. I think, like you said before, some events, they run once a year, they book speakers once a year. And yeah. so sometimes it is just timing. Yep. You know, I know again, with tropical think tank this year was the last one Chris had done, um, and again, similar to to yourself, you know, we'd we'd cross paths to some events. I'd work with them with youpreneur, but there was never uh, there was never an expectation of anything. There yep. was never an ask. Just so happened that somebody let Chris down um, and backed out of TDT, and so he looked back at past years, looked at what um, sessions people had been most interested in. Memberships came up, and that okay. I've got a relationship with a guy who I know will nail it for for memberships. So there you go. But if the last time recurring revenue was mentioned at TDT came up, it bombed. Then I'm probably not getting that email right. from Chris because he will he'll be looking for someone to fulfill a different need that I that I don't uh, meet. And then I you know I would never have spoken to TDT because he's moving back to the UK and not doing it again. Right. So it, yeah, so much of it is just time and and um, not trying to rush it, right. I think. Yep. So, I mean, you've already laid down a lot of awesome advice. Value bombs, to steal Chris Ducker's <laughs> words, since he's the unofficial sponsor of this episode. Um, he, that happens on quite a few of these episodes. He comes up He, he stalks more us often long, than, long distance. Yeah. More often than I would like. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we wrap up, have you got any last pieces of parting advice or wisdom for anyone out there trying to make their name as a speaker? Maybe something that nobody's talking about, Something, maybe something to watch out for, something to keep in mind. 
Some last words. Yeah, I would. I would just to kind of like summarize everything we've said. I, I think having realistic expectations of what you want speaking to, to to do for you. I think again, another thing we we kind of touched on earlier is being clear on how you want speaking to fit into your business. So, um, you know, there's some people that I know that are primarily a coach that want to speak, and so make sure then that your marketing materials reflect that. So if I come to your um, if I come to your site and it's like, well, I see that they, they, you know, they coach and they speak and they got a book and they got a membership site and they got all these different things. It becomes very, very confusing. I don't know what, yeah. what all it is that you do. And so I think it's really important, especially if you're in a service-based business to really determine what's the primary hat that you wear. You know, if you go to a, a local fast food place, a, you know, a burger place, the burgers are probably going to be the centerpiece. And then you've got some other like, you know, oh yeah, we do have fries. Oh yeah, we do have milkshakes, but the burgers, this, this is the main thing that we do. This is the main thing that we offer. And so I think you have to figure out what's, what is speaking for you? Is it the burger? Is it the fries? Is it the, is it the secondary thing or, or further down the line? Or is it, no, no, speaking is the primary thing that we do. And as a result, then make sure that your marketing materials are reflecting that. So I would say that the other thing too, just to piggyback on the other thing we, we talked about towards the end here is the speakers that I've noticed that have a really difficult time uh, getting traction and finding and booking speaking engagements, it's because they're really vague on who they speak to and what they speak about. I, I speak to anybody and everybody, uh, and you just kind of become this generalist that's the jack of all trades, and you just don't want yeah. You don't want to be that person as a speaker. Uh, you know, I know. I think the reason that you and I have got some traction, um, not just from a speaking perspective, but just in, in business in general, is you and I are very, very specific about. I help speakers and I help speakers specifically, primarily on their business. How do you find and book speaking engagements, right? Now I could say, well, I help speakers. Oh yeah. And I also help coaches and consultants and authors and yada, 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 yada. You focus on membership sites, right? You could say, well, we do membership sites and courses and webinars and Facebook ads and all these other things. But no, no, the more niched you are, the easier it is to say, Oh yeah, Mike's the go-to person on this. Grant's the go-to yeah. person on that instead of trying to be this, you know, this generalist. You know, if if I if I God forbid need to get brain surgery, I want to find who's the person that all they do is brain surgery. I don't want to find the guy that's like, "Oh yeah, I took a class on that one time in med school. I guess <laughs> I could probably do it. I remember doing that on a, you know, a, a dummy." Like I I don't want to be I don't want to find that guy. I want to find the guy like, "No, no, brain surgery is what I do day in and day out." Yeah. Uh, and so the same thing is true with speaking. Be really position yourself and put your flag in the ground as I am the go-to authority on this. Now, I'll say one other thing. And sometimes we have this this um, expert myth that, well, I'm not an expert. There's plenty of people that know more about the subject or topic than I do. But remember, you don't have to be the world's greatest expert on a certain subject or topic in order to speak on it. There's plenty of people that know more about the topic than than you do. That's okay. But the audience, if if you if if you know more about the uh, more about the subject or topic than the audience does, they perceive you as the expert. Quick quick example I like to use is I know nothing about cars. I'm clueless with cars. If I take my car to get the oil changed, um, whoever's changing my car to me or changing the oil to me, that person's the expert because they know more about cars than I do. Does that mean that they're the world's greatest expert on cars? No. I know that. They know that. But I'm not looking for the world's greatest expert. I'm looking to this one person who's working on my car. If I'm sitting in a workshop session, I know something about membership sites, but I don't know as much as Mike. So to me, Mike is the expert. Whereas Mike, you might be going like, well, I know plenty of people who know way more about membership stuff than I do or know more about this specific plugin or know more, uh, whatever. You may see them as the expert, but I'm not looking to those people. I'm looking to Mike. Mike's the go-to expert to me. So 
again, know that you don't have to be the world's greatest expert on this thing. There's plenty of people that may know more about it than you do. But as long as you're the person that the audiences view you as the expert, then then expertise is really in the eye of the beholder. If they view you as the expert, then that that's ultimately what makes it so. Such, such important advice. And it applies not just in your speaking, but to running a membership, blogging, podcasting, and all that sort of stuff, especially um, something that's my biggest bugbear about staying specific, yeah. staying on niche or niche, niche. It's niche. Whatever it is. Like staying <laughs> on it. I think, you know, definitely without question, and, and you mentioned it before, you know, a big, big part of, of um, you know, the success we've been able to enjoy is because we have been ferociously targeted and specific around our topic and a mistake i see people making over and over again in all sorts of walks is as soon as they get any form of success within their speciality they move to the middle of the road yeah and they try to then be all things to all people right. and inevitably in the online space that means they're doing their gary v impression or <laughs> their the latest thing which is the anti-gary v impression right, right. and it's just you know, stay in your lane and stay persistent with it because everything we could on this show, I think, backs up. If you're specific, if you know what you're doing, if it's targeted, if you uh, make it as easy as possible for people to to book you, you stand a far greater chance of being successful in speaking and just in business yeah, in general. Very much so. That's awesome, Grant. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've loved our chats. If any of our listeners want to get more insight into public speaking, especially the business side, yeah. how can they connect with you? Yeah, I'll give you two websites. Um, one is uh, if people want to know more in depth on just a, a plan on how to find kind of step-by-step -step system on how to find and book speaking engagements, uh, we have a free online webinar people can check out over at freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. Uh, people can check that out. The other thing too is um, other site is thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. So we've got um, a podcast over there. Mike is making an appearance on uh, in the near future and uh, as well as several free blog posts and just stuff you can check out if you're looking for just some... Uh, I'm intrigued by speaking and want to just dig around a little bit more than uh, plenty of resources there again over at freespeakerworkshop.com and thespeakerlab.com. Awesome. And obviously we'll have all the links and all that good stuff over in the show notes page at themembershipguys.com. Grant, once again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks again to Grant for coming on the show. Really enjoyed being able to just chat to him for a bit about the subject of public speaking. He's a great, great guy, a great speaker, and he really knows his stuff about public speaking. Not just the stuff you do on stage, but everything that surrounds it in terms of making it a key part of your business. And as someone who speaks but wouldn't necessarily call themselves a speaker... He's definitely changed my thinking about how I approach public speaking too, as we strive to use it as a way of raising our profile, of establishing ourselves as the authorities in the membership space, and of growing our business. So hopefully you found this useful. If you're not in the public speaking space, then maybe this has given you a little bit of motivation to get into it and to start using it for growing your business. Or if you are on the circuit, if you're doing a lot of public speaking, then hopefully you've been able to pick up some pointers 
because that'll help you to get even more from the speaking that you're doing. And of course, if you want more from Grant, head on over to thespeakerlab.com and check out his free workshop at freespeakerworkshop.com. That's it for this week. Thanks again for spending a little bit of time with me. Hopefully you enjoyed this show and we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Membership Guys podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out the membersiteacademy.com. The Membersite Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. So check it out at membersiteacademy.com.